Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. Awesome. Well, I am so excited about this series we are starting today. Uh, We are going to spend six weeks uh, in a series called Made for This. Come on, everybody say, Made for This. We spent uh, our first series of the fall, we spent talking about uh, a series called Why the Church? And we talked about many of us have had experiences at church, good, bad, and stinking ugly. And many of us have been in religious environments and all sorts of different environments in our lives. And we wanted to give you a biblical understanding of what the church should be about. So if you're here today and maybe it's your first time, I encourage you, go online and listen to that series. And you would be, uh, I think, pleasantly surprised to find out that you fit perfectly in the, pres- in, the, in the body of Christ, in the church. And it might not be what you think you thought it was. So go back and listen to it. And what we did was we spent five weeks talking about the church. And there's actually one more purpose of the church that I didn't cover. And I wanted to take six weeks to cover that one purpose. And so we're going to take the next six weeks to cover that one single purpose of the church. And so today what we're going to do is we're going to dive right into it. Um, And what I need to do today is I need to lay a little bit of a groundwork. So what I want you to do is I want you just to kind of buckle up. And I'm going to lay a foundation for you. And I believe today some of you are going to hear some things you've never heard before. I believe today some of you are going to hear some things that you've heard before, but maybe you never understood. And I believe some of you are going to have an experience today uh, understanding why we do what we do um, when we worship. But not only that, what is my purpose on the earth? That's really what this series is all about. What, what, What is my purpose? What was I made for? Why am I here? It's not just about singing and being a musician. It's also about being a wholehearted lover of Jesus Christ. And so we're going to kind of talk about that for the next six weeks and, and cover that. Uh, you know, when we talk about the idea of, of uh, your purpose and, you know, really all of us are kind of on this quest in our life to figure out why we're here. And if you look at different people, many different individuals go on all sorts of different self-discovery journeys in their life. If you type in in Google, uh, what is, uh, uh, how do I discover my purpose or how do I find myself? There's over 1.1 billion results of different ways for you to find yourself. And we look at those things and there's all sorts of things. There's, you know, solo traveling where we're going to backpack across Europe and backpack across the world to find myself. And all these things are awesome and great, which I would love to do. Uh, maybe it's an exciting, exhilarating adrenaline travel where you're going to go do crazy rock climbing or go, go and swim with, uh, you know, sharks and see if God saves you. And if there's a God, I won't get eaten by this shark, you know. You know, maybe it's a, like a complete relaxation vacation. Come on, somebody. And you just unwind and you just eat, you know, on the beach and someone's massaging your feet and your hands like 24-7 and you're just laying like this next to the beach and with a coconut pina colada and it's fantastic. And, you know, may, maybe for you it's this idea of maybe you're serving someone else in need and you go on these different missions trips to try to help different people or, you know, you go to different places to help with relief and you want to find a, uh, you know, I want to find myself in that place. When I was a young guy, uh, young in high school, I would go to the Oregon coast because I'm from Oregon. And I would go to the Oregon coast and I would walk along the shores of the water and I would be yelling at God, God, tell me why I'm here. What's my purpose? I was really angry at him for some reason. I'm not sure why. God, why am I here? And why did you make me? And why am I on this planet? And, and, you know, show me a sign, God, that you are real. And I'm walking along this massive, majestic beach with the waves crashing at my feet. God, give me a sign. Where are you, God? And I'm like on this 
this incredible creation. And, you know, I look across the landscape of the ocean and parts of the ocean have not even been discovered yet. And here I am wanting God to reveal to me his glory and splendor. And I just didn't open my eyes right in front of me. You know, we go on these different self-discovery things and, you know, at the end of the day, we're searching for our identity. At the end of the day, we are searching for our purpose in this life. We are trying to find what is the reason that I am here. And it feels like this evasive truth, this evasive reality. It feels like we, every time we get close to it, you know, we, we feel like we, we've arrived there and then it just fades away. Maybe for you, it's like a sailing trip and you're on the very edge of the boat like Titanic and you're just finding yourself and you say in that moment, oh man, I was made for this. Maybe for you, it's, it's, you know, like I said, riding a horse on, on, on the ocean shore and you're like, oh man, I was made for this. Or maybe it's you doing something stupid like this, climbing up a big mountain. <laughs> I said that for John because he loves to climb mountains. <laughs> right? John's up there and man, I was made for this. But then he gets to the bottom of the mountain and realizes, whoa, that feeling was awesome, but it faded. Maybe you're here and you're, you know, you're doing something amazing and you're staking your flag and the moral flag in the world saying, come on, this is what I was made for. Maybe it's that perfect golf shot, hallelujah. Come on, some golfers here. And maybe you make the perfect business deal and you feel in that moment, I landed that deal, I landed that thing. Man, I was made for this. And every one of us knows that the moment we walk away from those moments, though they're amazing and all of those are fine, those accomplishments and those successes and those things in our life, we realize that we feel discontented and we feel purposeless and we feel dis disconnected from reality. And we realize that at those moments that we've experienced those, I was made for this moments with these things that they just simply fade away and you wake up the next day and you want that feeling again. You want that definition again. You want that why again. Why was I created? What is this all about? And in this series, we're gonna talk about how the, the, the reality is that, that you, were made, you were made to worship the only one who is worthy of our complete worship. Only when you discover and live out what God, what God has made you for will you find real fulfillment in life. Look at this scripture in Ephesians 1. It says it's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us, had designs on us for glorious living. Part of the overall purpose he's working out in everything and in everyone. And so for the next six weeks, we want to take some time and talk about this idea of uh, how we were made to worship God. The, we the Westminster uh, Catechism summed up this theologians got together. And in 1646, the Church of England wrote this to really bring the Church of Scotland and the Church of England together under one banner to try to bring unity between the church in that day. And this next statement is said to have been the most, uh, the most uh, clear, succinct statement to define what the Christian faith is all about. And it says this, it says that man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Can we read that out loud together on the count of three? One, two, three. Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. So we're supposed to, to glorify God with our lives. So what does that look like? What does it look like to worship? What does it look like for us to give our lives to God? What is it? Is it a music style? Is it a sensation? Is it a, feel, a feeling? And this is the big idea of this whole series. This whole series is this, that we were made to worship God. Until we focus that worship on our creator and give him the worship and worth that he deserves in the way, look at this, in the way he instructed us to bring it to him, 
We will, we, we will never reach our full or highest potential unless we focus our lives on that. We will always be seeking and we will always be searching and we will always be bitter and we will always be angry. And trust me, I get it. The church, sometimes the church makes a lot of mistakes, but I want to remind you, it's not the church's fault. That's God's idea. It's people. And people tend to let us down and people tend to hurt us and people do the atrocities across the world and people do these things and people sin and people fall short. And at the end of the day, we have to realize that the church of Jesus Christ, the church is all about bringing glory to God. And the more you focus your life on bringing glory to God, the more you will reach your fullest and highest potential in this life. Right. Worship by definition is the highest level of our passion and focus. Worship is what you give your worth to. It's what you give your heart and passion to. It's to magnify something in your life, to make something big. So I want you to hear me today. We all worship something or someone. Every person here today in our culture, we all worship something and someone. Our worship is when we give the highest level of focus or the highest level of passion or the highest level of our endeavors to this thing. Maybe it's sports. Maybe it's a career, maybe it's money, maybe it's sex, maybe it's fame, maybe it's fortune, maybe it's power, maybe it's family, maybe it's kids, maybe it's you wanting kids, maybe you idolize the idea of a perfect family, or it's your health, or it's work, or it's relationship, or it's traveling, or it's science, maybe it's robots, who knows? Maybe it's nature. We always, the list can go on and on, but I want to ask you a question today. What do you worship? What do you give your highest level of passion to? What do you give your highest level of focus to? What do you give your highest level of attention to? Jesus teaches about this. In fact, it's all centered around money, but we're not gonna talk about money today. But this whole concept is about money, about money that Jesus is talking in Matthew chapter six. He's teaching the disciples that he says, listen, money can become a God in your life is what he's talking about. He says, don't serve both. You can't serve God and money. You gotta choose one. And he makes this radical statement and he's talking about worship. And in this verse, look what he says, Matthew 6, 21. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. So whatever your hope is on, whatever you treasure, whatever you value, whatever is most important to you in your life, that's where your heart of worship will be as well. And Jesus is saying here that we worship something. And in this context, he's talking about not worshiping money. We all worship something in our life. The first mention of the word worship in the Bible is found in Genesis 22.5. The boy and I will go up to the mountain a little further and we will worship, there's the word, and we will return. That word worship means to bow down, to humble ourselves, to give worth to, to magnify. This first part, word used worship, I don't, you probably know this, but let me explain it for those in the room that may not. You see, the context of this verse that we read here is an interesting one because this man, the boy and I, that I, his name's Abraham. And Abraham was given a promise by God that he would have a child and his wife was barren. And for 25 years, they waited for this promise. And then one day, God gave them this child. Through barrenness, Sarah and Abraham had a child when he was 100 years old. And at 100 years old, Abraham had his promised child. And at 25 years later, Abraham, Isaac is now 25 years old. And God comes to him and says, I'm going to test you to see where your worship lies. I want you to take this boy and I want you to go to the mountain that I'm about to tell you about. 
and I want you to wrap a burnt sacrifice up to me. Now, Abraham knew by this verse that God wasn't actually going to have him kill his son. Because look what he says, we will return. But he knew that God was testing his heart. We think God doesn't do that anymore. Oh, yes, he does. He tests our heart in our careers. He tests our heart in our relationships. He tests our heart in our finances. He tests our heart in areas of addiction or habits or sin in our life. He tests our heart with bitterness or, or, or unforgiveness. He tests our heart and says, okay, is that going to be more important than me? I want you to sacrifice this most valuable thing in your life as worship unto me. When Abraham went up to the top of that mountain, he obeyed. He built that fire. He laid his Isaac down. The Bible says he took that knife and he was about to stab his son in the heart. And an angel from heaven shouted out, stop. He says this, now I know. God said to Abraham, now I know that you are a worshiper of me. That you did not withhold the most important, valuable thing in your life. That's the first mention of the word worship is something that heavy. <laughs> this is a big deal. I want to talk to you a little bit. Of, I want to lay a foundation biblically for this idea of worship. The first thing we have to understand about worship is this, that we must learn how to worship on God's terms and not ours. We must understand something about worship that we do not worship God on our terms. So it's like someone uh, coming up to James after church and saying, hey, James, Man, I just want you, I really didn't like the worship today. Didn't like the song choice, didn't like the lights, didn't really like the, 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 the note you sang it in. It was hard for me to sing. And I didn't really like the side, like I didn't really like it today, James. And James would kindly respond to you by saying, that's okay, we weren't worshiping you. <laughs> because worship is about Jesus Christ. He is worthy, his character, his holiness. And all throughout the Bible, we see that the Bible actually teaches us how to approach God, us, how to know God, us, how to love God. Look at one of the examples here in Psalms 100. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and enter his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. David is teaching us here that God likes it when you come into his atmosphere and there's thankfulness on your lips. He's saying here that if you worship in this way, I will meet with you. The Bible teaches us how to experience God and how we are supposed to worship him. The second thought is this. God is a person and he has feelings, desires, and preferences just like you do. God is, not a, God is a person, not a cosmic energy. He's not an abstract force field in the heavens. He feels deeply. He feels passionately. He loves like no one else loves. He desires like no one else loves. Every emotion that you feel is actually an emotion that God has. The only difference is, is that God has these emotions in perfection. So when you feel jealousy, God feels jealousy too. He feels jealous for you. He wants your heart. When you feel envy, oh God, God wants, he wants you. He wants your life. He wants your heart. He wants you. When God feels angry and God feel, at times God, God could feel uh, upset and God could feel all these different emotions that you feel, but his emotions are perfect. Now I'll ask you a question. By show of hands, how many of you have ever read the book, uh, The Five Love Languages? Let me see your hand. Okay. 
So the book, The Five Love Languages, is a book I encourage you to read because what it's all about is identifying five specific love languages that we identify that we need to experience love. So my wife is acts of service and she likes quality time. I love gifts, hallelujah. <laughs> but I just wanna clarify, I like good gifts. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like the discount H&M gifts, like oh, $4 shirt, and I'm gonna like it because it was cheap. No, no, no. I want the $14 shirt that wasn't cheap. Well, it's cheap, that's a, whatever. I want good gifts. Good. We good? Oh, there we go. I want good gifts. And so we have to recognize that my wife, so in order to serve my wife in the way that she needs it. So if I came to my wife, my wife hates getting gifts. Like she doesn't like spending money. She's a little cheap, folks. You're like, whoa, don't worry. We're good. She accepts it. You can turn me up in here, Vince. If I brought my wife gifts, I would be showering the love on her that I want. If, if, I, if I gave my, word, my wife words of affirmation, though she enjoys those things, she likes them, I would be giving her love that I want. When in reality, when I make the, the, do the dishes, and I make the bed, and I sweep up, and I do all the things that, that I hate to do, clean the toilets and do all those things once in a while, clean the toilets, what I'm doing is, is I'm loving my wife in the way that she prefers to be loved. We have this backwards sometimes in the church. We think that this experience is about how I want to love God, when in reality the Bible teaches us how he likes to be loved. And it's healthy for us to understand something about this love language. It's healthy to have this perspective. He is God and I'm not. He's holy and I'm not even on the holy level one. He's the creator, I'm the created. He's the eternal, I'm just a vapor. He's the great I am, I just am. He's eternal, I'm only 37 ago. This is not to say that you and I are insignificant. It's an accurate perspective of who we are worshiping and why we should worship according to his love language. So how do we know that we are worshiping biblically? What is a biblical worship? What does it look like? Well, I want to show you, I don't know if you know this, but the New Testament is actually, the, the way the New Testament learned how to worship is through the book of Psalms. That is their guideline for how to worship. They didn't just come up with how to worship. They read the scriptures and they learned themselves. And we see all throughout the New Testament, 1 Timothy 2.8, in every place of worship, every place, I want men. Notice that, men. Everyone say men. men. I want men. Because most of the time, women are pretty passionate for the Lord. I want men to pray with what? Holy hands lifted up to God. Look at this, in Romans 12, 1. Therefore I urge you, brothers, now and sisters, both of y'all, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, your physical body, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper way to worship him. How about this one? First Peter 2, 5. For now, now you serve a holy priest, or I'm sorry, for now you serve as holy priests, offering up spiritual sacrifices that he readily accepts through Jesus Christ. We see that they learned this somewhere. Jesus now takes it from a physical outward form. We see physical worship now into an internal. Jesus turns it and says, now I want to talk about the inside. Look what he says. Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only. In Mark 12, 29 to 30. And you must 
love the Lord your God with all your heart. That word heart there means weight. That word heart there actually refers to the idea of your glory, the, your weight, your essence. So the very weight of who you are as a person, your motivations, your agenda, your focus, your attention, like your, your heart represents the entire, the completion of you as an inner man or an inner woman. And so it says, bring your weight to me. Bring your essence. He says, bring your soul, your emotions, your passion, your mind, your intellect, your strength, your physical body. Where did they get these ideas from? They got them from the Old Testament. They got them from the book of Psalms. So today I wanna, I wanna kind of take a flight path change here. And I wanna focus on just two words that I believe that if you can, I want you to hear me today. I want every eye to look at me today. Every eye in this room, you're here today and I have the opportunity to, to teach you the word today. I want you to hear me, what I'm about to say to you. What I'm about to teach you can change your life. Yeah. Like as, as you might not be a part of Love City Church and we hope that you will be, but as a pastor in this church, I want you to hear me today. This in and of itself was the most life-changing thing in my life. You might be here today and you've never been to church before. You don't know anything about church. You don't know anything about the Bible. Maybe you're a new Christian. Maybe you've been a Christian for a long time. If we can understand what I'm about to teach you today, you will experience the very manifest, glorious presence of God in your life. Amen. Some of you here today are all bound up. You've you got stuff going on in your life. You've got fear and doubt and shame. You've got in, in discouragement and you've got sin in your past. You've got issues with the church, issues with me, issues with everybody. I don't know. You've got something going on in your life today. You say, right? How can I get through this? Listen, I may not have the answers for you, but what you're going to learn today could get you in a position where God can begin to minister to your life. If you'll listen to me today and you'll hear what I'm about to teach you, it can and will change your walk with God. Do you hear me? That if you can learn this today, this will help you understand why you were made on this planet. This will help you understand what your purpose is. This will help you understand what real love is. This will help you, I'm telling you today, that if you say, Ryan, why was I made? What's my purpose? What's the point? I'm about to tell you today. If you can get this, I promise you this, you will begin to understand who you are and what your purpose is. And I wanna show you that when you do this, there's a result. There is a cause and an effect. There is an impact. There is a investment, or I'll use this word, which I hate, a transaction, if I can use that for a minute. Give me grace. That when you do this with the right ingredients, there is a result that God does in your life. And don't worry, I won't charge six easy installments for $59.99 a month. <laughs> or holy water or something like that. This is straight from Scripture, straight from the Bible. So we're going to be talking about several of these different ideas throughout the sermon. James is actually preaching next week. James and I, my wife and I are going to preach one week. Jesse and I are going to preach one week. So you're going to have some mixed up. It's going to be super fun. Woohoo! It's going to be awesome. But there's seven general words that we translate into the word praise. And they're found in the Old Testament and Psalms. And they all have unique meaning and application. And I want to teach you just two of them today. The first one, and we're not going to practically practice it today. I'm going to talk to you about the heart behind it today. The first one, very simply, is this word. James has talked about it before. I want everyone to say with me the word yada. Say yada. Yada. Yada, actually, ya is actually the word to uh, your hand, and da is reference to, uh, to, to worship. So the word yada put together is to extend a hand in praise, to throw out the hands. 
So we see, look at this, Psalms 91 or 9-1. I will praise. I will extend my hands in praise to you, Lord, with, look at this, all my heart. So we have a physical expression, an outward sign of worship, and with what else? My heart. I will tell of all the marvelous things you have done. Look at this one. Psalms 28, 7. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him and he helps me. My heart leaps for joy. And with my song, I will extend my hands in praise to him. Look at this next one. Psalms 141, 2. May my prayer be set before you like incense. May the lifting of my hands be like the evening sacrifice. And so we see in Scripture that these are very important words. David understood that it wasn't just about bringing a hand lifted. There had to be an engagement of the heart. There has to be an internal person engaging with God and an external uh, uh, expression of worship through the lifting of your hands. Now, when our emotions often keep us from doing this, we often don't feel it. I don't like the song. I don't like the tone. I don't feel like it today. I had a bad week. I'm tired. Our emotions tend to keep us from engaging in this way. And I want to show you a scripture that talks about that. Psalms 42, 5. Why am I so discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God despite all my emotions. Despite how I feel, I will believe and worship God with extended hands to the one who saves me and is my life. So when our, our emotions cannot be an indicator, and it, you know, the real reality is that, when, and I'm all there with you, when our emotions keep us from pressing into God, we have to remember that it has nothing to do with God's position in your life. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is present and willing and constantly there to help you in your time of need. It's not him that's far, it's us that needs to recognize that when our emotions say no, it says, okay, I'm gonna believe and I'm gonna worship by extended hands to the one who saves my soul, to the one who I can put my hope in, even though I'm discouraged and even though I'm sad and even though my marriage is falling apart and I had a big fight today and even though I can't pay my bills and even though I lost a loved one and even though I feel discouraged and depressed and anxious and even though I don't really know what's going on in my life, I don't like my career, I, don't, I feel dead inside, I'm gonna choose to believe and worship with extended hands to the one who saved my life and I wanna promise you something, I wanna make a commitment to you by personal experience, when you do that, there is breakthrough in your life. You it pull down the very manifest presence of God in your life. And I'm going to show you that. It comes down and he begins to minister to you in ways that no drug, no alcohol, no job, no relationship, nothing on this planet can because you are experiencing the very manifest presence of Jesus Christ because you push through the curtain of your emotions and said, I'm not going to allow my emotions to dictate my relationship with my, with my God. How, what kind of marriage would I have? if I allowed my emotions to dictate my relationship with my wife. And the reality is this, is that if we based our relationship on our emotions, we probably wouldn't be married right now. And many of you here today have a very emotional relationship with God. And let me tell you, he's the same. He loves you. His love hasn't changed. Or all these things that we can say, oh, I did this, or oh, I did that, or that happened to me, or this thing happened. I want you to know, that doesn't surprise God. 
He knew about your life before you were even born. The Bible says that every single day of your life was written in his book. He knows exactly the decisions you made. It doesn't scare him. It doesn't stop him from loving you relentlessly and wanting to be with you and help you and guide you and give you joy and peace when it doesn't seem like it could happen in your life. He is right in front of you waiting for you to push through your emotion and lift your hands and say, okay, God, I surrender. I give you this area of my life, God. I give you this, this fear. I give you this doubt. Lord, my focus, I'm worshiping this grief. I'm worshiping this loss. This loss. I'm worshiping this addiction. I'm worshiping this career. I'm worshiping this, this idea of my life that I'm not good enough. I'm worshiping the fact that I'm not good enough. I'm a victim. I'm worshiping. We worship these emotions in our life. These emotions actually control us and we bow our lives down to these emotions and say, emotion, you're gonna be the king of my life and you're gonna run my heart you're going to run my life. Yes, emotions, I worship you. This scripture saying, stop it, lay it down and yield yourself to the king of your life. You have a decision to do that and it is stinking hard. <laughs> it's hard. It's one of the most difficult things we do is make a decision to get past how we feel because it feels so real. and The pain is so real. The loss is so real. And I don't want to minimize the reality of the emotion because it sucks when you're depressed in the cloud and you don't want to get out of bed. And I, when you just feel like, man, sometimes what is life even for? I know those feelings, but I want to testify to you today that every single time I've made a decision to stop loving God how I want to love him and start loving God how he wants me to love him, there is a breakthrough in my life. There's a transformation in your walk with him. Yeah. The second word is the word halal. Halal. <laughs> Say halal. halal. Halal means to boast, to glory in something, to act like a madman or a mad woman, to look like a fool. Second Samuel 22, David saying the Lord, the Lord, the words of his song, when the Lord delivered him from the hand of his enemies and from the hand of Saul, I called to the Lord who is worthy of praise, halal, and have, and have been saved from my enemies. This type, of, this type of praise, this type of word is an I don't care what people think of me kind of worship. Yeah. Now, I don't encourage you to be a madman or mad woman because it's distracting, just telling you. Like, don't be running around this room acting like a madman or mad woman. Bless your heart. Do that outside the parking lot, not in here. We want order. We want to make sure we have a place that's healthy. And you know what I'm trying to say? Like, we're not going to be weirdos. But I'm saying this, that this is the type of worship that says, the only person in this room right now that matters to me is God. I don't care what that, 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 I'm a single guy and that cute girl over there thinks of me. She might just love you because you lift your hands. I don't know. Like, man, I'm not going to care what my, my, my husband thinks of me even though we got in a fight today. I'm still going to lift my hands and know Jesus has forgiven me right now, girl. Don't you worry. <laughs> Being in an environment where we recognize that when we have areas of our life where, where we are allowing fear to be our guide, we want to make sure that we have a halal. Now I can hear many of you objecting today. I can hear it in my, in my inner man. All sorts of objections, and I get the objections. Let me walk through some of them. You might say here today, you know what? That's not really my personality. It's not really my personality type. It's not really my personal preference. But I want to encourage you today, according to Scripture, this is how God loves to be loved. According to Scripture, the Bible teaches us that he likes to be praised in a way that you don't care about what other people think. 
He loves to be praised in a way where you lift your hands and you worship him. Like, you might be today and say, Ryan, it's just not my preference. It's just, I'm, a, I'm an introvert. It's not, the, not who I am. Listen, that's what God's love language is. It's like doing the dishes for God. It's like cleaning the toilets for God. I don't really like doing this. It's just not my personal preference. It's not my personality type to clean those toilets. But I know that it honors and, and blesses my wife. And in the same way, I know the Bible teaches that worshiping with my hands lifted high and worshiping in a way that I just don't care if people think about me, that is the type of praise and the type of worship that God wants despite our personality type. Yeah, a lot of us say, okay, Ryan, but I don't really worship in this context. I kind of do it alone. And now I do too. I worship God by being on a mountain and filling his presence. Well, I do too, and that's awesome. But have you ever considered that being in the mountains and in nature and experiencing God's love is the way you like to be with him? The way God defines we're with him is actually in the context of the gathering. You look at almost every time the praise is used, it's David with the congregation of the people in the temple. He's at church surrounded by the company of priests and musicians and the Levites, and he's singing these songs out loud. He's but generally, when David led these things, it wasn't him with his guitar in his room. He did it with a group of people. He did it together in, in, in the ecclesia. That's proven all throughout Scripture. And maybe you're here today and you say, well, man, some, my church that I grew up in, we didn't lift our hands in church. It's not really who we are. Why not? I've been asking this question, why not? Well, that's just a charismatic thing. No, it's not a charismatic thing. It's a human being thing. Yeah, that's right. We were wired to bring glory to God. We were wired to bring a halal. We were wired to bring a yadah. And I want to prove it to you. I want to prove to you that we were wired to, you can black it out here, you, that we were wired in this, in this video to halal and to yadah. wired to do this that's why when you walk into the presence of God you know what the devil wants to do to you he wants you to get into your head he wants you to get caught up in your emotions he wants you to think about how this isn't what I used to do and have all these excuses and all these reasons I'm telling you today the reason the devil wants to do that because he knows you were wired to be in the presence of God lifting your hand saying I don't care what anybody thinks about me I want to bring praise to my creator and to my God and to my savior something changes in your life when you do this you were wired to do this. No excuses. You were wired. You were wired to go to the concerts and shout out loud. That last guy, so good, so good, so good. You were wired to do this. You and I, God deserves our worship. He deserves our praise. It's not about personality types, not about religious preference. At the end of the day, you know who it's about? It's about God. And I want, I want to challenge you on this. You go study this out. 
And you'll find the New Testament using the book of Psalms as its guidebook that all throughout Scripture, David and the congregation of the saints, congregations of followers of Christ, he worshipped and worshipped and worshipped and worshipped. Now I want to come to the, the end of our time here today, but I want to land the plane with this really cool thought. Worship with extended hands that doesn't care what people think about it. Worship where you are raising your hand can be a religious thing if your heart's not engaged. But if you mix a heart of gratitude and thankfulness to God with the word Yadah and a halal where you say, you know what? I don't really care what this person thinks about me. There is something that will happen in your life. I want to give you two examples here. In Exodus chapter 25, it says, The Lord said to Moses, Tell the people, of Israel to bring me their sacred offerings. Accept the contributions, look at this, from all whose hearts are moved or, or willing hearts. Only accept from those who have willing hearts. Here's a list of sacred offerings you may accept from them. And I'm just going to read the first line here. It's a long one, but here's a list of sacred offerings. Look at this, gold, silver, and bronze. That gold had been handed down to the people of Israel for 400 years. And when they left Egypt, they packed it up and they carried this heavy gold with them all throughout the desert. They were carrying it because they wanted to then give it to their children to pass on to their children to pass on to their children. And God said, okay, I want those in the church who have a willing heart to bring a weighty sacrifice. Look what Jesus says here. Have the people of Israel build me a holy sanctuary so I can live among them. Now, several chapters later, they completed the, the tabernacle of Moses and they put everything in place and Moses walked into the very presence of God. And look what it says. Then the cloud covered the tabernacle and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses could no longer enter the tabernacle because the cloud had settled down over it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. That word glory is, means the weightiness. It means the, the riches and the abundance and the fulfillment. It means the very, the very reverence and nature of God. The very weightiness of God's presence comes down. Some of you in this room have experienced the weight of God's presence. Some of you have been in a room where James is playing a song or maybe you're at home listening to a, a worship song and you just found yourself presence of the creator presence of God that is the very manifest actual tangible presence of the creator God who wired you to be in his presence you say Ryan what happened well your heart was willing and broken and you brought a sacrifice to God and he came down and he met with you look at this one in this verse this is when Solomon had finished the, tab, the temple. Solomon's temple was beautiful and radiant. All the Levites who were musicians, Asaph, Heman, Judithan, and their sons and relatives stood on the east side of the altar dressed in fine linen and playing cymbals and harps and lyres. And they were accompanied by 120 priests sounding trumpets. So here's our Levite today. He's playing the guitar. He's with... He, he's with Alana and the rest of the team. These are Levites. These are worshipers, people who were dedicated as priests to worship. And they're up there playing. Look what, there's 120 priests. Remember the Bible said that you were the priests? 
and they're up there and they're playing and they're singing the song and the, the, the church doors, like they just built a temple to God. The actual physical building where God's presence was and they built a building and now we're standing in the building and the, the, the priest is playing his guitar and look what the verse says. The trumpets and the musicians joined in unison to give praise and thanks. That word praise is the word halal and that word thanks is the word yada. He says, we give a, a kind of, we begin to worship and not even really care about anyone who really thinks about us. And we did it by extending our hands high, accompanied by trumpets and cymbals and instruments. And the singers raised their voices. What? It's not quiet? We're not just being silent? No, we raised our voices in a, a type of praise where I don't care if people think about me. And I lift my hands and the Lord and sing, He's good and His love endures forever way maker miracle worker oh we love you god how great is your name you are good oh god you are good oh god i don't care what anybody thinks about me anymore oh god i lift my hands and i worship you lord great is your name oh god holy is your name your love endures forever god look what happens they brought a sacrifice they brought a willing heart look at this verse then the temple of the Lord was filled with the cloud and the priests could not perform their service because of the cloud for the weight of God's glory filled the very temple of God. They came into the house of God and you came in today just to come to church and man, drink my coffee and just kind of stand and hang out. You came into the atmosphere and it was so heavy. The manifest presence of God was so there that man, we couldn't even go any further. We didn't even know what else to do because the creator God was in the room with me right now. He's in the room and my redeemer and my savior and I'm sitting in the room and I don't know what else to do, man. Ryan can't speak and James just throws his sentence out the window and just begins to worship and you feel the very presence of a loving, unconditional, caring God. This is something that you can experience in your life. And it comes by having your heart in a place where you recognize that this is not about me. This is not about my preference. It's not about my upbringing. It's not about my denomination. It's not about anything else other than the fact that I was created. He is the creator. He is everything. I'm ultimately nothing. He is the great I am. I just am. He's everlasting. He's all God. He's all knowing. He's the Alpha, the Omega. He's the first and the last. He took a broken marriage that was falling apart and he restored it. He took an addict that was broken and confused and lost and he restored him. And now I don't have any other reason. I have nothing else to offer no riches I have nothing in my life that matters outside of knowing that my creator God died on a cross and rose on the third day that I might be in his presence and boldly approach him from the throne of grace so he can help me in my time of need and as I bring that willing sacrifice and I raise my hands God's presence comes down and ministers and breaks chains and shatters addictions and takes away fear and causes discouragement to flee and causes confusion to go and brings hope and joy and life. This is what I want for you to experience what I experience every week on a Sunday. I don't care what James is singing. I don't care if something's not right, sounds off, lights up. I just, you see me, I'm not so. I don't do that for you. I do that because I know I need God's presence in my life. I want you to experience this. There's this, this spirit. There's a God spirit and the enemy. There's angels, there's demons. 
There's light, there's dark. In a relationship with God, he brings light. But I want you to know today, there is an enemy who wants to distract you. You see, Ryan, really? He's gonna distract me in, in church and when I'm in the presence? Yes, yes, yes. This isn't a denominational thing or a charismatic thing. This is a Bible thing. He wants to distract you to keep you from experiencing the breakthrough that he has for your life. Come on, Father, I pray for those in the room right now, Lord, that have wiring in their thinking. They've been wired to think, the Lord, that this biblical, this biblical thing isn't effective and isn't powerful. Lord, they've, they've lost the ideas of this, God, and today, as we've taught on it, I pray that they would understand that, Father, this is one of the keys. This is one of the access points. This is one of the ways in which we experience true freedom in our life because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Well, I pray for those in the room, God, who maybe are far from you or those are lost, maybe, God, and it's, it's okay. We've all been there. We've all, at times, are there every day. come to this place today, God, and they say, wow, I've never been there here today. You brought them to this place today and for this eternal moment, the Bible says that you've written eternity in every human heart, meaning there's a little hole in our heart that's reserved for God and as we fill it, it grows bigger and bigger and bigger in our life until God takes over. God, right now, I pray for those in the room who have a God hole that has not been filled by you, those who've not given their lives to you, Jesus. Come on, with every eye closed in this place right now, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you forward. I just want you to put your hand up in the air really quickly so I can see you when I ask this question. Maybe you're here today and you are not a follower of Jesus Christ. You've had some circumstances in your life where maybe you've been hurt by the church or maybe it wasn't even a Christian church, maybe it was another church or you've been hurt by your family members or there's a, a bitterness or an anger or a frustration. You know, I want you to know I've been there. You're here today and you say, Ryan, I'd like to start this journey with God again. I don't have the answers. I've got some hang-ups. I've got some situations that I can't quite figure out, but I do want to make a declaration today that I want to go on a journey towards God and I want to do it in this place today. Come on, on the count of three, every eye closed. Come on, I'm not going to embarrass you. I won't pull you out. I just want to see who I'm praying for today. Come on, every eye closed. On the count of three. One. Two, three. Come on. Come on, amen. Praise God. Wow. Come on, four hands in the room are raised today. Come on, keep your eyes closed for me. I don't want to embarrass them. And Lord, I pray for these people right now. Lord, you are in this place. You are here now. Lord, these people have chosen to go on a journey. They don't have all the answers, Lord. They, we know that. None of us do. But Lord, you brought them here for this moment. Their lives are transformed forever. Come on, church. I want you to pray with me. I want everyone in the room to pray this prayer. We're going to pray a prayer to God, and then we want to connect with you today. Would you repeat after me today, church? Dear Lord Jesus, I want to start a journey with you. I realize I don't have all the answers. My life feels like a mess sometimes. And I got some addictions or habits or hangups in my life. I want to start this journey with you. 
I identify that you are God. And I want to follow after you. Would you forgive me of every sin in my life? I confess them. And I give my life to you. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Church, let's put our hands together for these people today. Come on. The Bible says that all the angels in heaven are shouting and screaming and excited because people chose to give their lives to the Lord. Amen, church? Come on, I want to I just encourage you today. If you raise your hand, I'd love to meet you. I'd love to connect with you. My wife and I would. Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus.